Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. sweet friends. Welcome to another episode of the Living Open podcast. This week's episode is on queer spiritual practice and reimagining spirituality with Bex Mew. Bex uses she, her pronouns. She's a biracial, first-generation, queer, lesbian, advocate, and equity consultant committed to the work of LGBTQ plus affirmation at the intersections of spirituality and sexual and mental wellness. She's also a queer witch, energy worker, and spiritual organizer, and she founded House of Our Queer, which is a QT by POC centered spiritual play space where she shares affirmations for the queer and trans community. She is also a brand new author, and her book, House of Our Queer, Healing, Reflaming, Reframing, Reflaming, I kind of like that, (laughs) Reframing and Reclaiming Your Spiritual Practice is out now. The link's in the description if you want to check that out, and I was honored to read the book early and write a blurb, um, write a blurb about the book. So yeah, the book's amazing. I've read the book, can recommend, um, and can recommend all of Bex's work. Bex was so lovely and generous when I was sharing my poetry collection. I'm still sharing my poetry collection, but when it first came out, um, she had me on House of Our Queers Instagram live show and had me on separately again just to talk about poetry and spirituality and creativity and queerness. Um, So there's a couple Instagram videos you might want to check out on the House of Our Queer Instagram page where we got to make some more magic together and we had some some really lovely and fun conversations there. Um, And Bex's Instagram is linked in the description if you want to check that out but in general I think this this topic feels so close to my heart and just makes me think you know I really believe that queerness is such magic and it's so much to me about reimagining possibilities and crafting lives that fit and reimagining relating and care interpersonally communally beyond like weird gendered scripts and the ways that we're taught to relate to each other and it's beautiful and my spiritual practice helped me find my clear my queerness and it gave me the courage to embody my queerness and claim my queerness and make a very queer life and I'm grateful for spiritual practice and healing practice and all the folks that I do those practices with and that have supported and held me to be able to be in this place in my life and I guess what I'm trying to say is I love being queer and I love queerness and I love magic (laughs) and I'm grateful to spiritual practice and to healing practices and tools that have helped me um, become more of my my queer self and myself in general. So that's a lot of what this episode's about. We talk about Bex's journey with religion and queerness and spirituality, allowing ourselves to have expansive yes and spirituality after and beyond dogmatic religion, taking what we've been harmed by and shaping it into something that actually serves us, 
reframing what ritual is and can be, why Bex felt so called to create House of Art Queer, queering spirituality, reframing Jesus, and reframing femmes and femininity in the Bible, and a lot more. When I run my holy reclamation circle group, um, waitlist is in the description if you want to be the first to know when that's happening again, which I don't really know, but it will be probably later this year or next year. Um, but in holy, often something that we talk about is if we want to have spiritual practice, which you don't have to, full stop, period, that's fine. But for those of us who feel compelled to spirituality after and beyond dogmatic religion, howtodo.com, what, <laughs> what, question mark, question mark, you know, it's, um, there's so many nuances and there's so much healing that goes into it, and how do we not just you know, replace one fully formed, wholesale, swallowed belief system with another of the same thing in different different clothing, right? Like, how do we actually come to authentic and true to us spirituality? So I love having those conversations with folks who are in that group. Um, and if you're asking those questions too, or playing with those ideas, then this episode will probably resonate. That's all I have to share with you. Plus, get a copy of Moon Sign at the link in the description, my poetry collection, while you're getting a copy of Bex's book. Um, and I also just had another poem come out in Mosaic Magazine, two poems in there, and I'll link to that in the description too. So those are just um, online to read in their digital magazine. Okay, that's all I wanted to say. That's it. So I always like to start the show by hearing about your journey. So I'd love to hear anything you want to share about your journey with healing and queer spirituality and even queerness too, um, that's brought you to this moment and the work that you do. Irene, there's no aspect of my healing or spiritual journey that isn't a part of what I'm doing right now. So I've been thinking a lot about this and love the question. Um, just for context, I was raised in a super small town off of Cape Cod in Massachusetts, very conservative and, um, I was raised Polish. My mom is is Polish. We're kind of immigrant Polish on her side. And then my dad is Chinese. And I'm he was actually born and raised in Malaysia. And I'm first generation American on his side. So as much as I was raised small town Catholic, like uh, I also always had a little bit of space. Uh, my dad doesn't practice a religion, but he believes uh, Buddhism like as a way of life. And so it had this really interesting upbringing where I was very much like Catholic, the way, the true and the light as a little one. Like I, um, I think being biracial and feeling like I wanted community and I wanted to fit in and I didn't fit in in my town and for a variety of reasons, um, wealth, race, privilege, ability, um, but really, you know, just feeling like the church, especially in a small town where I grew up, it was the community center. It, you know, my mom's been really involved. My sister was involved. It was something my family all shared. It's part of like our Polish upbringing. I'm sure it's something that my ancestors, you know, my babshi, I was raised really closely with my grandma on my mom's side. You know, we really for generations, I'm sure, you know, the Polish side of my family needed religion in this way. Um, 
that was kind of passed down to us. And I loved being a part of that growing up. And when I went to college, I went to New York. It was my first time really leaving the small town. I actually thought I was going, I went to technically a Catholic all-girls school and kind of saw myself continuing on this path. And it turned out to be just like a very radical social justice, liberal school, um, just in Westchester, kind of just above Manhattan. And it's the first time I really learned about identities where I met people who were bi or lesbian um, at the time, not so much queer at that time. And, and you know, it, it's when I came out and um, it was the first time I was really wrestling with uh, this idea of being myself or being who the church wanted me to be and who by extension, you know, my family and the folks that I knew and the folks I considered family knew me to be and wanted me to be. And I had a really tough time leaving the church. And that, I call that the pain place that that time of just feeling rejection from my church, rejection from f- folks who were having a tough time, you know, accepting me and Um, did a lot of just pushing, pushing away. And for many years, uh, wanted nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with faith, nothing to do with the church. And um, got really invested. Like I mentioned, my school is like a social justice school. So I was really focused on education and social justice issues, putting names and words to identity, understanding marginalization, system impacted groups of people, understanding myself and my experience kind of through that and finding community in these ways that really felt rich, that I felt like I was being seen. And I ended up um, teaching for a while and also doing kind of grassroots and institutional organizing around LGBTQ people, identity, students, educators. And that's kind of what I do still now. By by day, I'm an LGBTQ consultant and it's been my professional path. Um, But there was always that bit, you know, I would say like, you can take the Catholic out of the church, but you know, and there was this moment, this time, this phase where I, I call it, um, like the, the rephrasing or reframing time. Once I had had a little bit of time and space. And by that, I mean, years of time and space. And when I was, uh, realized that okay, I I wasn't going to church and I wasn't praying. um, But I definitely was like, thank you universe for looking out for me today. (laughs) Like I like was very into all these other uh, ways of what I realized was practicing different types of ritual or spirituality in, in different ways. And I started to want to explore that. Mm. A couple of years ago, I started realizing there was, something there for me. And it definitely coincided with also experiencing some social justice burnout. And with the pandemic hitting, I ended up leaving my full-time advocacy job and realizing that I needed something. And I was pretty sure that something was spiritual ritual and figuring out and community. And I wanted to be able to 
figure out what spirituality meant for me as a queer person and how to build community in that way and to take all different aspects of ways that I practice. And now that includes tarot, astrology, energy work, um, Buddhist philosophies, principles, and also some reclaimed Catholic rituals and uh, Christian roots and, and just being able to take all pieces together and figure out what it means for me, what it might mean for other queer and trans folks who are also figuring out, you know, this space. And that's why I started House of Our Queer. And that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> what a journey it's been, what a journey it always is. <laughs> always. And I think that the work that you do with House of Our Queer is so beautiful. And I think it's so powerful as queer people to be able to be in spiritual connection if that's something that feels right for us. You know, there's something that we talked about on our in our Instagram live conversations is just like the churches that we grew up in do not own spirituality. Like we, there's so much that is beyond and greater than that and different than that. And between that and existing in all different ways and spaces and like religion that we might've grown up with is just like one part of that. And I think it's so powerful for us to be like, if a spiritual connection is something that like I desire, I get to have that. And it doesn't have to be through Catholicism or Christianity or whatever. Like it can be through me and whatever that I believe in or connect with. Exactly. Like they don't own that. And sometimes us saying, well, fine, you have it, you know, actually it's like cutting our nose off despite our face or whatever that, like that there is uh, yeah, something in that. And then I know I, I did that for a long time. I've never needed this. I hate this. It's all I need are concrete facts and, you know, social justice action and policy change. And that is the only thing I'll ever need. And that's it. And, you know, just being able to kind of yes and in, in this way, these things are important. And also there's there's space for this. There's space for magic. There's space for, for belief and things I can't quite put my my hands on. And I'm getting something from that, and that's okay. I think in like someone asked me once if there's anything that like I feel grateful for from being raised in religion, and I was like, hmm, let me really think about that because in this moment, fuck no. But actually, when I sat with that, it was like I think one thing I am grateful for is that ability to like trust in something that's unseen or to like underneath it all believe in like some kind of magic or something unknowable some kind of like great mystery that feels really lovely and magical and special and I don't want to confine it in these like prepackaged ways and terms but that ability to like believe in magic and what we can't see feels really special absolutely it took me a long time to come to those like being willing to tease out those things I am grateful for because it does there is a shifting like I said you know you can't you can't undo being raised with religion like it it's the way I see the world it's the way I see myself it's the way I think at the end of the day at the beginning of the day and before meals like there is no unprogramming as much as I shifted and that can yeah be scary and then there are so many things even for me and I think this might be some you know there are some folks who were raised in like 
say lighter religion or like somewhat <laughs> more open religions that ha- don't quite have the same, you know, needing to undo and 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 unravel as um as Catholics like myself, you know, do. And there's was a long thought process and, and growing place around that. But something that I've actually really been interested in recently um, in reframing this is understanding like the depths of devotion. Like there is something about deep, deep devotion um, I that I really find fascinating. I think carved out some really powerful, deep spaces in me. And I bring that into um, sacred sexuality and kink and power play and understanding like those kinds of depths and un- understanding for that just created a lot of space when used well, when <laughs> used in like queer centered, posi affirming, body affirming spaces. And um, I found even that to be something that I have access to. Mm, Yeah, I love that so much. It's so cool how we can like take what we've learned and been hardened by and all of it, all these experiences and like turn them and shape them into what we want, into something that we can play with in a kink space or that we can reclaim in a different way or like turn into ritual. Like we have the power to do that if it's something that we want to do. And that feels so exciting and also fun. I think a lot of spirituality for me is also like play like I want it to feel that way. And um it feels good when it does. <laughs> Absolutely. I get a lot of folks who are um, kind of tiptoeing up or thinking about ritual for the first time and and engaging this as in just a quick example. So yesterday I was having a little releasing ritual with a friend of mine. I have a fire pit in our shared yard and we were just doing some ceremony around releasing. And one of my neighbors is very new to any type of ritual, kind of like a, a classic East Coaster like myself, um, but without, uh, and and was kind of asking all of these questions. And, you know, I'm explaining, but I'm to me, I'm also like, and it doesn't matter. Like I, you know, we are, we happen to be in between eclipse seasons. Like there happen to be these kinds of things I feel about ritual. I brought certain things for it. And also if all you do is spend a little time on a Tuesday night to think about something you're holding and think about a new way you might want to approach it or something you want to let go of that's a great practice like that without the fire without you know the the herbs without the lavender any of the things like it's still a helpful practice and I think we do live in such a capitalistic world we do have so much going on especially queer and trans folks living in this world (laughs) that isn't designed for us especially with the you know all of the rollbacks that are happening and and I think you know we are also tend to be more conscious of um, harm that's happening in the world and be having wanting to engage in social solidarity actions in in large and small um, ways and that really we carry that in our bodies like we carry our own uh, microaggressions aggressions you know discrimination that we live through that what's happening in our community and what's happening in our our world and it is a lot and we need ways to be together and to just release, let go, imagine, build. Um, and so 
whether we, you understand all of those things or, or believe in astrology or not, whether you believe in any of these things or not, I think like this practice of just building some timing for ourselves uh, can be really helpful. Yeah. And I think for me, my definition of ritual, my connection to ritual has expanded so much over the years where like it's really just about intentionality for me and it's like anything can become a ritual within that framework when I'm just like bringing some intentionality to it and that can be like literally making breakfast or like um last Beltane my partner and I got in a hammock and read each other love poems and like dreamed into our relationship and like jumped over the fire and it was like we didn't have any crystals or any herbs or anything which Uh, is cool like I like that stuff too but also that we just like brought this intentionality to the space and we're like oh what are we wanting to create what are we wanting to build like what would feel good and it can be so just intuitive and like rooted in what feels what feels right for you Oh, it chills from pure joy <laughs> that it's so just well. imagining. Thank you for just sharing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need joy. We really, really need joy. Joy. Yeah. We deserve joy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that feels particularly present even just like in the past two days, thinking about all of the like scary news that's happening with Roe and like implications for other things that are specific to queerness and not. And it it's always scary and heavy in the world. And that, I don't know if like feels particularly heavy in my body in this moment as I think it does for a lot of people right now. And like, that just feels like we're always holding that stuff. And so we also need so much joy and love and play and pleasure because we deserve that. And queer joy is beautiful. Yes, absolutely. And I feel that, and like I was mentioning, like my two buckets of work, like by day, I do consulting around and really looking at systems and policies and state-based and national and um, the ways in which you know, queer and trans people are being discriminated against and with things like also and women right and people um with uteruses and just like the misogyny that lit that is that homophobia and transphobia live underneath mm-hmm. um just the ways in which that continues to play out systemically and institutionally in our society and you know it is something i've done for full time for six years and in grassroots part time for 10 years and is well aka you know most of my life and of my adult life and just feel like um like I'm a person I like doing that work I like knowing what's going on I like feeling that you know something I do offer as we look at this even though it is scary like I'm not gonna sugarcoat the time that we're in um, but I also think I've been watching policies for um, a lot of years. I, you know, started doing national work during the last administration. Um, and I think that, you know, there's there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot going on, but sometimes we also need policies to be put on so that the experiences that people were having and the beliefs that people have are actually undeniable. Um, If you look at kind of the arc of 
marriage equality policy. Like there was no anti uh, marriage equality bills. They had to be put on and then taken off. And so sometimes like I'd like to hold us in a little bit of space that we do. It needs to be clear like where folks are coming from and then we can actually address it. So this is the addressing part and as scary as it is for us to be here and for it to be in a Supreme Court's place. If that's where we're at, we need to know and we need it to be clear and we need everyone on board to understand what's going on and what's been going on. Um, So for what it's worth, I hold that. And then I also, that's really why I, I, had to, I felt so called to create House of Art Queer for myself and for others so that we can, um, no matter what's going on, you know, come together, have a space to, even if that is a space to cry together, right, to to feel into our feels together, to be worried together, to know that we have each other no matter what's going on, like, to have that balance um, is especially in times like this. Yeah, we need spaces to cry together and to be together and connect together and to cry together. (laughs) I would love to hear more about like the spiritual organizing and offerings that you do through House of Our Queer and yeah, like what that means to you, why it matters, why it feels like work that you want to do. When I, I've been doing, like I mentioned for a couple of years, different aspects of, of spiritual offerings and, and spiritual ritual for myself and in, in small ways. And I started House of Our Queer um, at the beginning, like January of 2021. So a little over a year and a half ago at this point because I really felt that it was time to have an outward facing project for the work that I was doing. And I wanted to concentrate my efforts um, in a way that I could both keep myself accountable for the work that I want to do. And also um, in order to try to find the community that I'm still continuing to seek and, and build. And sometimes just as an organizer, I find that by, creating and facilitating a space, I can find the folks that I want to, um, to be a part of it. So that is House of Our Queer is both an offering and an invitation. It's something that I'm building and I'm looking for co-conspirators and community as it, as it grows. Um, and one of the offerings that I do is called Queer Church. So it's a short IG Live, which you uh, came on this week, which Love is it. so lovely. <laughs> um, and so what that is, I wanted to build ritual that gave um, some homage to, you know, I was someone who went to church uh, every week, um, if not more, for 20 years of my life. And so um while I, I occasionally go to a mass here and there in different places, different churches, and I wanted that type of time. I missed what I liked. I tried to think, you know, what were the roots of going to church that I liked, that I missed, that I could um, queer up. 
Um, and so I intentionally call it queer church. I know that makes some people not come um, because they think I'm going to preach to them. I'm not, I swear, but um, I needed it. I needed it for me to be called queer church. To me, churches, like, you know, when you bring someone to church, it's like that idea of like joy, connection, weekly celebration, marking that time as passing and carving out a little time into our lives to think about our spiritual selves. And uh, like I mentioned, just because of the demands of life, we don't often give that part of our lives um, attention. And so Queer Church is a time when I'll just give an astrology update. Um, I'll talk about, I'll have a reading every week, which is trying to build some kind of, it's usually a queer quote or poem, um, something that's just offering some written word into our consideration. And then I'll uh, always close with a tarot poll. And a lot of it is just time to kind of have a moment carved out, disturb some energy. Um, and again, for myself and, and for others. Yeah. Well, having been part of Queer Church for one brief time, <laughs> I really loved it. And I think it feels really cool to me to have it be called church because that feels just like another um, another way of reclaiming of what church can be, of what like a spiritual space can be. And like I run a, a circle for folks who are coming from like dogmatic religious backgrounds Um semi-seasonally not not every season but sort of um I'd like to do it more than I actually do and I call it holy because that feels like a word that feels like really good for me to reclaim and I've had feedback from people say that that word um is like not not right for them and that's so okay and so fine and I think it's just like we're all in these different spaces and places and ways of relating to these upbringings and these histories and um, there's not one right or wrong way. And like, it might feel really good for me and you to be at like queer church and for someone else that feels terrible. And that's like, that's okay. Like there's other spaces that we can make and other ways of reclaiming. And like, we're all not going through the same process and journey, even if we're coming from similar backgrounds and like, it's, it's really okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and I love that having different offerings. And so, yeah, I do run Queer Church. And I also just on the page will just share. I do a lot of tarot spreads. I follow the moon, especially the full and the new moon um, and the season. So just kind of offerings there for folks that just want to get a little like, you know, queered up spiritual in their feed, have a little bit of something that's like gentle reminders, a lot of affirmations, like a lot of spreading of joy and reminders to take breaks. And so mm -hmm. I'll do that there. And then I also, I co-run um, Queer Magic Dance Party. That's part of oh. uh, <laughs> that has been really fun. And um, yeah, I partner with um, a friend of mine, runs uh, TACT, which is um, a local nonprofit that focuses on trans wellness and we co-run um, yeah, Queer Magic Dance Party in the Bay. And it's been this really fun way to mix, you know, the it's a daytime dance party and we have um, cutie pock vendors every month. And so this a space for folks to kind of share and dance. And I do tarot and astrology offerings there. And then we just kind of stir up some magic together. And it feels um, really nice to have that uh also that type of space. 
That's so cool. I love that. I love a daytime dance party. I used to go to this like sober daytime dance party before COVID, um, like once a month for a little while. And it was so much fun. <laughs> Cause I think I really miss that. Like when I used to be way more into like drinking and stuff, I would go out and drink and dance and it was so much fun. And now I don't drink and I, I'm tired late at night. I'm old basically, <laughs> but I love dancing. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. It's yeah. two to nine and I'm on a Saturday and I'm like, this is right. Like I just want to have, uh, yeah, this space and then people can actually talk and engage. Like it ideally, like my, when I dream of the future of like, if House of Our Career ever gets its own actual house and is a community space and like, you know, is a place we could do offerings at, I would love to do like queer church live, right. And have folks come by and then have it be like a barbecue and then a dance party, you know, like that's my vision for the start and the end of the I love that. I love that so much. I would totally come if I lived in <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, I'm also wanting to ask you because I'm like in the middle of reading your book right now and it's so beautiful and wonderful and everyone should pre-order it slash buy it. <laughs> um, but you talk about a lot in this book, um, sort of like re-understanding who Jesus was and what these ideas that he shared are and like femness energy in the Bible and the gospel of Mary Magdalene. And I'm wondering if you want to share anything about like some of your learnings and takeaways from that, that work. Absolutely. And thank you for mentioning. I'm so excited. Um, yeah, House of Our Queer, Healing, Reframing, and Reclaiming Your Spiritual Practice it's so good. Um, is the book I wrote. It's coming out so soon. I can't believe it. Um, and, you know, so interesting when I was writing this book, it I had no idea how much Jesus was going to be in it. I was going to say right now. I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't bit. know. <laughs> I know. I know. I want fair warning for folks. And it, it just, it felt as I was writing, I was like, oh, I'm still writing about this. Like there's more I need to say, like there's more I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, I don't, in most of my house of work queer offerings, I don't talk a ton about Jesus, although I do, um, you know, mention him here and there. Um, but it was really important for me as I was doing this work, I realized to basically try to understand how come there's such a difference between everything I've learned about Jesus and all of the teachings I learned in the church, even though they're called Christian and called following him. And I just, I didn't understand that disconnect. And in digging, um, I really found even more and even more space there. And that for me was really healing. So some of the things I found, and I'll, I will highlight um, Mary Magdalene Revealed uh, by Megan Watterson is a great start for folks who are kind of curious. The Gnostic Gospels is also something I look to. So basically just saying like what was left out of the Bible and just understanding that what we call the Bible is actually just a canonized, if you can imagine, smaller version of of his teachings and that there is, it has been curated. So like I'm a person who does um, 
like looking at histories, looking at curriculum and what's been left out. And I think we all as a as a country, we understand a lot more about hidden curriculum, right? about what's being left out when things aren't being taught and how um, a certain story like we look, I think we're really aware now that, you know, we were taught a lot of, you know, white cis man straight narratives of history. And so finding that in the Bible and in that teaching and just kind of going back and uplifting um, some of the things I found out more about Jesus, just looking at the ways that he was like feminist in ways that we don't even uh, don't even equate to today because women in the Bible, like the, the pure misogyny of the time, I think is really something that stood out to me and looking at misogyny today and looking at patriarchy today and understanding its roots at such an like year zero, year 33, and like the ways in which women were um, and like some folks of all like were not appreciated and were considered like second class citizens and Jesus not being about that. Like that was important to me. That was really cool to find out and to find out the ways that he um, really did, you know, try to um, like uplift marginalized folks, system impacted folks at that time. And um and understood, I think, in the ways that I was digging, you know, femme divine and how like that aspect of our being has diff- more spaciousness, has, you know, these other ways of relating to body, to spirit, to community and, you know, finding that in some of the things he was doing uh, made sense to me and may and and helped put into perspective the ways in which and kind of the why in which um so much of organized religion and society is trapping down that parts of all of ourselves but especially folks who live a lot of them in their lives um because it's so powerful because it's there's so much magic there because there's so much space there and so the fear of that um yeah, just seeing those roots in in some of his teachings came up a lot and was something I felt like I needed to include. Yeah, and I'm so glad you did. I'm learning so much through reading it, which is unexpected about like, I really didn't expect there to be so much Jesus in it, but it's really cool <laughs> because <laughs> I really appreciate so much that this isn't the full story. You know, like this isn't the full picture. This is just like, again, the history and the story that his head white men wanted to tell about this figure um, and the people that surrounded him. And wow, so shocking that maybe they didn't tell the full story. I know, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> of course, as I read with them, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it again, telling a story that will just help them maintain power. I know, I'm like, under what surprise? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's really cool to highlight that. And I think especially, like, it's making me think of my little sibling who um, is, like, the most Christian in my family, I think. None of our siblings are very Christian, but <laughs> they're, like, the closest one. But for them still, it's, like, this so much more expansive 
Christianity adjacent, like being into Jesus and not into all of the other bullshit and dogma. <laughs> so I'm like excited to share your book with them so like they can have that um that learning too. <laughs> I love it. I, I think that especially as we look at where we are right now, I think and the divide that we're experiencing in our country, I feel that it's important for us to to not, especially for folks who um like for queer folks, like to, to be able to have some space to not feel like as soon as Jesus is a part of a conversation, we're also pushing because of our own pain. I think there isn't, I think as much as we can understand each other, <laughs> that's what we're all going to need. And so there was some, and I wasn't able to do that without any, without this work. Like I need, I was, I was definitely doing like pushing and like immediately shutting down. And so for me, yeah, being able to have a little more space for myself, like I said, I, in one of our IG lives, like I consider, you know, Jesus a light worker, like many other light workers, like an energy worker. And, you know, he had that kind of channel and, um, that's something that now I get to access in, in an energetic sense without following anything that's going to, you know, take away from my own light and the way that I know I'm meant to be and my life is meant to be. And so, yeah, I hope that for folks and I hope it kind of can give us a little more spaciousness to with ourselves and with folks we might be in community with. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally get that as like a, a trauma response. I think that like hardening or that being like, absolutely not. And that's totally fair. But I think for me, it feels really good to move out of that place into a place where like, um, I know personally, like Jesus is not for me and I'm not really interested in working with him, but I think it's really cool (laughs) that other people are. And it's like, I'm totally down to like make space for all ways of reclaiming and connecting and finding spirituality from this and I love that we're not all just like one mind doing the same exact thing like it's beautiful this diversity exactly yeah for sure well I think I want to close with one quote from you that I wrote down from your book which is what I'm advocating for is our right as queer people to a spiritual practice. What I'm building is a chance to reimagine spirituality, faith-based communities, and even religion itself in a way that is rooted in the understanding that LGBTQ plus people are divine beings living as intended. Thank you so much for being here. Is there anything that you want to share about that or you want to share to make our conversation feel complete before I ask you the last question I always ask? That was perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I love that quote so much. I pulled out a lot of quotes from your book, actually, just just to be (laughs) clear. Thank you so much. I love that you're reading it and so excited for it to start peppering into the world (laughs) me too me too um and before you tell people where they can get the book because I know everyone wants to know (laughs) I want (laughs) to ask you what does living open mean to you and what comes up when you hear that I love that name I love the work you're doing I'm so grateful to be here and having this conversation um 
living open to me is really living with the spaciousness to fit ourselves and the folks we're in community with as we continue to evolve and grow. I, um, it's really tough in a world that's telling with expectations on us of who we're meant to be or how we're meant to be and who we're meant to be with. And, you know, um, I think even for House of Our Queer, a lot of folks that come aren't queer. It's it's not about who you're sleeping with. It's like, it's not necessarily about who you're in love or who you're in community with. Like a lot of folks are just, you know, I, for whatever reason, like the religion path and the spiritual path and the relationship path and the getting married and finding someone of the opposite gender and having kids by a certain age and owning a house and having a dog, like didn't work for me and I don't know who to be in community with. Right. And like, I think that there's something um, really beautiful about that. Although it's queer and trans centered and our experiences are centered, there's inclusiveness and spaciousness for all. And um, I like that. I think living open is allowing for that. And for me, I can do the same thing to myself. It's not always external. I have a lot of expectations for it who I want to be and how I want my life to be. And sometimes that is filtered by other folks, but sometimes I right, perceive it as, you know, outward, but it can also be internal. So I guess my hope in living open as I, as a continual striving, you know, aspiration is like gentleness with myself, mm. allowing for myself to fail, allowing for myself to change, allowing for myself to grow um, and yeah, just releasing from the expectations. Yeah. Can you tell people where they can find you online and where they can get your book? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at house of our queer. It's O-U-R queer. Um, house of is the website with more info. And that's what we'll be sharing about uh, the book, which will be available for pre-order this month in May. Yay! Yay, yay, yay! <laughs> Thank you so much for being here and for writing this book and for <laughs> just everything that you shared. <laughs> Thank you so much for creating this space. It's so great to be in community with you. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.